This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to episode 53 of the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. If this is your first time listening. I'm your host, Ben Cloy. And on this podcast, we dive into all the topics related to fatherhood, marriage, raising kids, having a life, being able to live a fulfilled life, and creating a legacy worth fighting for. And if this is your first time, welcome to the podcast. Wednesday, Christmas, so I would like to take it a chance to wish each one of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, but we'll have one more episode before New Year's. And I know that Christmas is one of those holidays that has lots of dichotomy to it, that there's lots of chaos, but then there's lots of opportunity for great memories, and it all builds up to that 15 minutes of opening up the presents, and then it's over. But that's part of the process, and that's something that I often reflect on going through holidays, is that it's all part of the process, it's all part of life, and to try to exert control over it only makes it worse. You really have to ride the waves, you got to go with the flow. And there's going to be lots of moments that are chaos, but those are the ones that you often remember most later on when you reflect on the memory. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. That would be an amazing Christmas present for me to read one of those reviews leading up to this podcast. I read every one of those and they mean the world to me. And if you've gotten value out of this podcast, I would also really appreciate it if you could share it with friends and let them know what we've got going on here with this podcast because getting the word out to more and more Military Veteran Dads is the best way that we can have to grow this podcast and make a bigger dent in the universe. And I'm so excited for 2020. I've got a lot of things to bring in, but I'm not going to unload those all right now because I'm going to save them for a little bit in a later episode. But today, getting back to Matt Kuchera, we have Matt Kuchera, who is our guest today, and I'm excited to share this episode with you. Matt served in the Air Force and recently transitioned out, and he has a common story that I think a lot of dads will relate to. He has one of those personalities that you just can't help but feel like you have been friends with him forever and that you don't always want to say goodbye because we really could talk forever. And we proved it because we talked for 40 minutes before we even hit record on this podcast. And and he was a Air Force military training instructor while being a dad. And there's a lot of life lessons that coming home from that high intensity environment to just the average environment of home that he shares with us. And I think a lot of people are going to relate with this episode. And he also has his own podcast, Vet Pivot. That's also really great. And if you remember way back in the beginning, we interviewed Adam Bratz as well. And he is the co-host of the Vet Pivot podcast. And they both do it together. And I'm glad to have the other co-host finally on here. So without further ado, let's get this episode started. And again, Merry Christmas. And we'll talk in before the new year. Thank you for coming on the show, Matt, today. 
Hey, thanks. I appreciate it, Ben. We have just been talking back and forth for the last 40 minutes. So I feel like this is the very first time we got to know each other, but I feel like I already got to know you. And we, we just found out something crazy is that your background is Czech and I work for a Czech company. I've been to Prague more times than you, which is zero and I've been nine. Right. So I feel like we're, we've got this bond already to go. So I'm really excited for the magic that we're about to create now as we dive into the dad story, which somehow we avoided talking about about any family for the last 40 yeah. minutes. 40 minutes, no family talk, strictly, uh, strictly fun in business. So now this entire next conversation is a mystery. So it's going to be fun. That's right. We're going to un- unbox it. So go ahead and unpack a little bit, Matt, on your backstory and uh, what brought you to be a dad today. Ooh, Yeah. So my backstory, um, boy, I don't know really, I don't really know where to start here. I, I'll start and I'll go back to the, uh, my days entering the air force. Uh, so I, I was not going in the right direction in life. And I think that a lot of people's enlisted story starts there. Uh, they needed direction. They needed discipline. They needed someone to kind of put the boot where it needed to be in order to get you going in the right direction again and, and kind of, you know, redirect the ship if if you will. So when I joined the Air Force at age 22 and having been you know chewed up spit out by life a little bit it was a good move for me. It was like the best thing that I could ever do in my life and uh as a result from day 1 at, at basic training getting screamed at, you know, the stress, the pressure, I got a smile on my face cuz I know I know I made the right decision. I'm like, okay, I'm getting exactly what I need right now. And I'm going to This hell is still better than the one I came from. What's that? Yeah, this exactly. hell is still better. Yeah. hell is better than, than the one I came from. I, it was just like one of those things, you, just, you have a moment of clarity and you're like, yeah, I made the right call. Like this is exactly what I needed to wake my ass up and get me going in the right direction. Um, and so I was a sponge and I soaked it up and I did everything they asked to do. And, and that served me well. As a young enlisted airman, uh, it served me very well to to kind of follow the rules and and you know drink the Kool Aid and do exactly what they tell and uh, you know indoctrinate myself into the system and and what what better thing to indoctrinate yourself in than the core values that they try to instill upon you the respect the customs and courtesies you know all these things that make you a, a stand up citizen you know, not just a military member, a citizen. So, um, fast forward, I, uh, I deployed for the first time as two years in and I, I say deploy, it's an air force deployment. Yeah, so, I was gonna say, there's yeah. still, there's still a subprint there. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a, there's definitely an asterisk there. So I went to Qatar and I was there for seven and a half, almost eight months. And when I got back, um, you know, my wife at the time, uh, unfortunately, my wife at the time, her and I, we were having a rough time, but we were trying to work through things and, and make it work. And one of the things that brought us closer and helped us work through it a little bit was we had a kid, right? Um, but that was just kind of a band-aid for us a little bit. And, and ultimately, the marriage didn't uh, work out. Um, but I, from that, I have this beautiful boy who was born in uh Swanee in a Belgian hospital. And, uh, he's, he's just such a smart kid. He's nine years old and, and he is 
Uh, he's everything that I wasn't at age nine, uh, probably again at 10 and 11. As I watch him grow up, he will continue to be everything that I was not uh, in that he's good. He's a great student. He is respectful. He, uh, I'll tell you a quick story real quick since I'm telling my dad's story. Um, since age four, I've been, well, really three, I've been really working on making him self-sufficient, being able to do things on his own. Um, this includes, you know, you start with like one thing. All right, man. Hey, here's what you're going to do. You can take a shower and brush your teeth, right? That's your bedtime routine. So he takes a shower, brushes his teeth, he gets in bed. So you build on that. So the next thing is, okay, when you wake up in the morning, you're going to make your bed. And so you're building on all these things. Well, he is nine years old, like I said now. Um, and he's, he's in his, his room. He's taking forever. And we got somewhere to go. I say, Brody, we got to go. Like, come on, hurry up, you know, let's go. And it's kind of the, you know, the drill instructor voice inside of me is starting to come out. And uh, I, I go up there and I open up his door and I go, what are you doing in here? And he's like, dad, I couldn't leave before I clean my room. <laughs> you're like, his, damn you for using my words yeah, against me. He's nine years old in it, like his room. He's like, yeah, cleaned it up, dad. It's all good to go. Do you want to take a look? I'm like, no, no, we got to go. Dang it. Like, great you cleaned your room good for you but it's like in my head i'm like doing a victory dance I'm like this is exactly what i've always that's a hell of a win i would say yeah you know is is this kid understands that he's got responsibilities and that he has to take care of those things every single day you know and and he doesn't complain or moan about it and with that because he is that way i give him a lot of uh rope you know i'm like okay well yeah you can do that and i trust him more to do things and and the flip side of that coin is I make sure that I have the conversation with them to say, Hey, look, I trust you more because you're doing things that I expect you to do and ask you to do. And because you do those things without having to be told and stuff, it, it makes me trust you more. And so it's reinforcing the good behavior. But mm-hmm. I, uh, I did remarry and uh, I have a beautiful wife. We had two kids back to back. So we had, uh, we had Ella in 2016 and we had Sophie at the end of 2017. Um, and you so just wanted to get that barrel recharged right away, didn't you? My goodness. You know, I, my wife and I weren't getting any younger and we were, you know, approaching mid thirties and we were like, you know what, we just need to do this, uh, and, and get it out of the way and be done with it. And then, uh, there's something to be said for that. I, I often wish we had twins because then that would have been like, everything would have been the last thing yeah because once you're done with diapers you're done and yeah there's something there's a there's a once you're a dad you know that feeling when you're done with something you're like that's right and then when you have that kid so like we had two years apart you're like what the f were we thinking when you hit that reset button and you go back to the sleepless nights and it's just like what were we on drugs when we thought this was a good idea right so we have a huge distance between my son uh and then my uh, my three-year-old, right? That was, <clears throat> there was a six-year gap there. So it's like, okay, well, six-year-old can take care of himself. And the six-year-old can help raise kids too. Exactly, right? So uh, we had a little teammate there. So it was like playing three-on-one, right? Um, so we're like, okay, we can handle another. So, <laughs> so we had another one. And, and, and being 100% transparent here, uh, we were not ready <laughs> <laughs> Another one. We weren't ready. You know, now you're playing, you know, you have the, you have the, 
my son who's like now he's shell shocked right he's like crawling in a corner he's like i can't handle this what's and, going on here yeah like there's a too much everything there was a comment and he's got two sisters right so he didn't even have a brother um he looks at me at one point i'm like hey man do you think you'd ever i was like what do you think of your new sister that's what i said yeah so the so our two-year-old's born what do you think of your new sister and he's like she's great but dad please no more <laughs> my son said this to me He's seven years old. Dad, please, no more. No more kids, please. <laughs> this is enough trauma. Yeah, and I was like, I know, man. I know. It was like the, it was like the ending of a movie. You know, it's like <laughs> you just got through defeating the the, the antagonist and uh, <laughs> you're sitting there kind of retrospective and licking your wounds and, and you're like, I know, man. Trust me. We're not doing this again. Yeah, it's just kind of, it was, it kind of brought everything home. Uh, But I I love my kids and uh, I love my family. That's, it's definitely the. So you had, you you got remarried and had your kids, your, your second daughters while you were still in the Air Force because you just recently transitioned out, correct? That's right. Yeah. So I had, um, yeah, during my last assignment. So my, my three-year-old was born in Texas while I was still doing the drill instructor duty. And then my, and shout out to my wife on that because she was also a drill instructor in the Air Force and she was marching trainees at like eight months pregnant you know, oh. in the San Antonio. Uh, you know, it was like September in San Antonio. Like I I have no idea how she did that. I was always I'm surprised very, the doctors let her do that. I was very worried about her. Let me just tell you that right now. I was like always very worried about her. Like, are you okay? Like I would I would every text message you're like worried whether it was a message from her. Right. Or someone would, that's with her, like, you've got to come here now. That's right. Then I would leave my flight and I would go pick her up in my air-conditioned car. Like, I'd have it on blasting, just AC cold, and I would take her back to her squadron so she didn't have to, like, march back. And then I would pick her up again and I would take her back to pick up her flight. And, like, you're not doing all this walking. Like, you just... So there was a lot of things there. Uh, and then we had our... Our our two-year-old was born in South Carolina uh, while I was stationed at Shaw Air Force Base, which was the last place that I was stationed. So you had to do a lot of even moving around while you were living in life in the pressure cooker there as well. No, that's right. Yeah. So we did, uh, we, <laughs> so we sold our, not sold our house. We moved out of our house in Texas. Uh, it got sold like two months later while we were already in South Carolina. So we did the living out of a hotel for two weeks, uh, three weeks in South Carolina. and. Um, our, my wife is pregnant. It's South Carolina. It's the summer. Yeah. It's July. Well, it's at July. least she was training for it in, in oh, San Antonio. It wasn't no like kidding. it was her first rodeo. <laughs> no kidding. But she, it's just like, oh my goodness. It just, and then you're in the middle of a pregnancy. So you have to change doctors and you have to change, you know, all everything changes. Your plan changes. You have everything yeah. where you're going to get, have the baby. Yeah. Exactly. And then we're buying a house and the house is empty and the furniture is not there yet from TMO. And it's, and you have a, you got a one-year-old. So you're going to Walmart, like night one in the house that's empty. You're going to Walmart and you're buying a crib uh, for your one-year-old because you know, you're going to need another crib anyways for the one that's on the way. And you know, it just, we were, we were in the trenches and I just kept looking at my wife saying, look, I know it sucks right now. 
but in a couple years, <laughs> it's gonna be better, you know. And that's that's the truth of it. I mean, and 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 honestly, it does. It, it gets better, and it's it's gradual. It's like the type of get better that you have to look back and see where mm-hmm. you came from to know where you are now is better, right? Yeah. Because if you just look at it today, I'm like, oh man, this is terrible. Like, I just want to, I want to go hide in my office and not, <laughs> not interact. Right. Uh, cause sometimes toddlers just get in the mood and, but when you look back, it's like, okay, well I can remember when you had to like make bottles for the, the, mm-hmm. the littlest one. The other one is struggling with potty training or struggling with speech or, uh, they're both walking, but neither is good at it. You know, like yep. those, those running things. into things, pulling stuff off the table. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, my three-year-old is a real, I mean, she's hell on wheels, man. She is. Sounds like my three-year-old. My, she's just a pistol that is yeah. a free spirit. Yes. That's my three-year-old. And she's just like, she's so like me, like her, her attitude the way she thinks about things, like the the way she talks, like how she's independent, wants to do everything on her own. Like that's, that's my three-year-old. She's just like me. And it sounds like you're really hanging your hat on Brody is like, this is my success. And the other two, I'm not really sure where they're going to end up yet. Yeah. Yeah. Brody is the one that I don't have to worry about. Uh, Ella, who's the three-year-old is the one that's going to give me gray hair and the, the baby Sophie, uh, she is like, she, brilliant i i know every parent probably says about their kids right Mm. but out of all my kids she is really really smart she is like full sentences talking since you know 18 months very very verbal kid um she's very inquisitive you can always tell she's like watching everything that's going on like that girl loves to read books. She's my little bookworm. Like That's my seven-year-old. She is just devours books. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Sophie. Sophie, I mean, she loves books. She would rather have a book than, um, you know, than sit down and watch like Doc McStuffins or something. You know, it's just, she loves books. Your three-year-old sounds like my three-year-old would get along perfect because it's just, she just started saying it like today. She's like, well, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> and she's three to, like saying it just like that well this is how it's gonna go this is what's gonna happen and we're like where the f did this come from yeah, and yeah. and she even tells you it was odin the daycare that told her this so it's like you just can't i mean she's so smart like she just figures things she found my son so my son went to kindergarten this year she found his locker first before he did because she can spell <laughs> his name and notice it better than he can wow. yeah five too smart for her own good. Yeah. Boys just have a hard time figuring it out. I do. And know? he just, he, he's not yeah. smart in how people measure smart. Like he can build the Lego set and that would rival yeah. anybody's airplanes. Yeah. But he doesn't, he just doesn't care about learning the alphabet. Yeah. That's I, like, look, us boys, like boy to boy, man to man, we just, we suck at it. We just, it takes yeah. us to figure it out. That's why I'm always so blown away by Brody. I'm like, dude, like you, why are you so responsible? Like, what? What is wrong with you? Like, I find myself like I should. I need to pay you. Like, you need an allowance, and it needs to be. It needs to a be a lot, a <laughs> lot. Yeah, you need a hefty allowance. You are, 
you're way too good and I'm way too lucky. Um, so let me ask you a question. I, I got sure. a new favorite question I like to ask you or ask guests. Uh, if you could go back in time and write a message on a sticky note and leave it on the table for Matt in those early years when your kids were still very young, under two, what message would you write to put on the table for you yourself? Oh, man. I, you know, um, for me, I think it would be perspective is everything. And just because something seems so obvious to me because I'm 35 years old doesn't mean that it is so obvious to a three-year-old. And so I think with perspective comes patience, comes, you know, the ability to bring yourself down to the level of the learner and give them what they need in order to be successful in learning the lesson that it is you're trying to teach them. And so for me, if I can, if I can, gain my composure and have the perspective of my children uh, and what it must be like for them to see something or do something that is probably a first time offense. You know, it's like, I've they've never done this before. They've never encountered this situation. And that's so many things for a child, right? Mm, so um, many things for a father. I, yeah. I'll explain, I'll adopt a conversation with my seven year old and be like, you know how you're trying to figure out every day how to be seven years old? daddy's still trying to figure out how to be 35 that there's lots of things that I've never experienced and I still need to figure it out. Just like there's lots of things that you've never experienced and you're trying to figure out. And same thing with like emotions when they go crazy and be like, I'm 35. And if I can't regulate my, regulate my emotions, how dare I judge my, my kids for not regulating theirs. Like it's up to me to set the example for, and if you're shouting at them for shouting at you, like what, it doesn't work. You can't yell at them for shouting while you're shouting at them about shouting. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. You need to have the perspective that they don't have any difference and you do have understanding of that shouting isn't how you solve a problem. And so you have to keep that perspective. That's a really good answer for that to be able to see. I've always liked framing it in seasons of like making sure you have the right perspective in the right season. Like in those early years, it's always chaos. There's not a single person that yeah. doesn't have that. And you just need to, and the other part is you need to appreciate this season because before you know it's going to be gone and you'll be another season that's just as pressure filled and you'll be almost wishing that it was simple. Like when your daughter's coming to you to talk about birth control, you'll be wishing that it was just the oh. book that she wanted you to read one more time before going to bed. So well, like there's know, always that perspective on, on the season that you're in. 100%. And I think that uh, especially when the kids are young, the roller coaster of the, of the emotions where everything is is extreme, right? Mm-hmm. So everything Your is poopy ex- head one minute and then they're giving you a hug two minutes later. Right. Everything is extreme. Everything is like, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. But, you know, you have extreme happiness and joy and elation and then they go right to extreme anger, frustration, and then extreme sadness. And, you know, that it's crazy. It's a circus of emotions and it, so with that comes your reaction and why we react the way we do and why our kids have the ability to push our buttons like that is because we're not used to being at, at our stage in life or our season in life. We're not used to being on that roller coaster of emotions. It's like, yep. what is happening? Right. And then we're thrown for a loop, you know, cause our whole, you know, ecosystem of how we, how we operate and how we navigate our world world 
is like just thrown off kilter. We're just like, uh, you know, you get stuck and you're like, I know how to fix this. Ah, like stuff. And our kids push those buttons that are like yeah. the one, like our trigger. They know our trigger points and they know exactly yeah. that, that one, 2% that we don't have control over it. What yeah. we suck at. And they'll push their finger in that 2% and push that button. And I always like to frame when a kid triggers you that generally says more about you than it does about them. Yeah. Because whatever it's triggering you is usually either some insecurity or something you don't want to talk about or something you don't want to admit, or maybe it's some reality or some truth that you're afraid to tell yourself and your kids just are able to reflect it back in a very innocent and clear way, but you're not really to to regular to really accept what's being reflected back. And there's a lesson there for sure. Yeah. For each parent. And, and that's another one too. I mean, that'd be a great sticky note too, is like, uh, be open-minded, be willing to learn you know, uh, you're not perfect. Here's another one. Like there's, I mean, those, those, they sound like cliches. Uh, I kind of wrap that all up into perspective. Cause I think that that captures everything. It's like, okay, well keep things in perspective. Um, I love, I love my kids and I miss the moments where they're just little balls of, you know, yeah. poop and poop and burps, you know? And it's like, they or just, they just slept on your arms after a bottle and that's yeah, all you had exactly. to worry about, you know? And you just, like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of, like the Rockabye Baby um, lullaby yep. tune. Yeah. So they have them for all the different, they have them for like Rolling Stones and Clapton and, you know, Elton John and, um, you know, all of them. Yeah. Metallica. There's, there's all kinds. Uh, I used to play those for my, for my daughters when they're real little and I would have my phone next to me. Um, and so I'd put that on because they're on Amazon Music. And so it'd be like songs that I like but turned into like a music box, uh, you know, and it's, uh, you know, so that it's appealing to children. And um, what's cool is my three-year-old, when she was an infant, she loved it and it would put her out. My, like if she was crying, I'd put one of those on, out. Like like the journey one, oh, out. Like don't stop believing, she's out. <laughs> like gone, like a light. Um, but my two-year-old, hated them they'd make her scream more and so i'd have to like i built a playlist of like 108 different classic rock songs like the actual song not some music box like the actual song and uh i i started playing those no more tears she just stopped crying and so to this day i have that playlist and uh, i still i still put it on in the car and yeah she loves it i got a question for you to peel back uh I'm debating because you had such a different perspective. I'm going to let you go either way. Which was it more impactful when you held your son for the first time or your daughter's? Ooh. Cause it has a different meaning <clears throat> for, for dads to hold your daughter. Cause you know, what's going to, what they're going to grow up into a strong woman. And at the same time, when you first time you become a father, I was curious what emotions were going through your head because there's often like just insecurity as men that we have anything to, we actually are ready to be a dad. And then when you hold that, little baby in your arms and look up to you and it's like this is really not my responsibility well you know i cried i will say that i cried with all three of my kids uh when they were born and i held them um that's it's just something powerful there that happens um do you think you were prepared to become a father or was it uh something that was kind of like scary no i was always really excited to be a father and and I've always been really good with kids my whole life. Um, I I love 
I'm a kid. I, and that's cliche too, right? But I am like, I am a goofball, man. I, I just, I love to have fun. Uh, with my daughters, we do dance parties. They know how to make Alexa play songs that, that we are, dude, we are like, we are going to be friends forever because yeah. I do dance parties with Alexa in the living room all the time. That's the best yeah. function of Alexa is to pay yeah. $3.99 and have every song for a dance party they've ever wanted. Exactly. And that's how we do it constantly. And we put on, uh, you know, my daughters have like dress up princess dresses, like for all the Disney princesses and stuff. And they just, you know, they want to be twirled around and lifted up and dance silly. And yeah, we have a blast, but um, yeah, I love, I love being a dad. I was always really excited to be a dad. I think that when I held my son for the first time, um, it was just like a really powerful thing. You know, it's like, you're my boy and I love you. Um, I'm going to teach you everything I can, you know, and that's, that's kind of the thoughts going through my head. Um, and I don't worry about them, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and I haven't, and I have really never worried about them. Uh, but I worry about my daughters and I don't need to, but here's, here's the thing. When I had my daughters, it was, okay, I now feel this immense pressure to show them uh, the image of what a man should be. Mm-hmm. So that they, they will have, go out and copy what you project, project. they will find. Yeah. So when they find their, you know, when they're looking for their, their spouse uh, in the future or when they're, you know, just a boyfriend, whatever. When they're like, 40, right? Yeah. When they're, maybe, <laughs> maybe. let's not get too early here. Uh, but yeah, I think I, w- I want them to, to measure any guy that they're with against me mm-hmm. knowing that they'll never match up. You know, that's, that's the pressure. I feel like no one will ever be your dad. Um, yeah. And I think that's what, where the dad cliche comes where you have the shotgun dad. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of times those dads, I never really had this thought, but you could, you could probably conjecture that the dads that do have a shotgun at the door are the ones that are insecure about the man they were as right. they were growing up and they know right. who they're going to bring home. Yep. And they're like, I'm not going to let her walk in the door with any cl- version close to myself because I right. know they weren't the, who exactly they wanted to model. Right. And I, you know, I part like the other part of me is I need to, and I feel this um, great responsibility to teach them to be strong, independent, confident women that are capable of doing anything for themselves. You know, that's, you know, that's, they don't need to rely on anyone to be able to exist. They can, you know, so that comes with like making sure that they have all the tools and skills required that, you know, maybe other girls that they know don't have. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I always think it's it's important to teach them how to maintain a house, maintain a car, um, be financially responsible. Um, have you ever and, seen the Netflix movie Christmas Chronicles? I have not. It's a good it's movie. Good. It's my new favorite Christmas movie. It can't, Netflix, it's original, so it, they invented it last year. Uh, and I just wrote a blog post about it, so it's fresh in my mind. And I really have, have got this idea that the best gift at Christmas you can give your kids is the belief in themselves. And that sounds like what you're already on the road to do, like letting your kids know or teaching them to know that they have everything they need to be successful in life right inside. Yeah. You don't need anybody else around them to believe what they're doing is right to give them permission to do what they believe is to be right and to have that confidence to go out in the world. And because they know they have everything that it takes, 
they'll generally go out and do it. And in the movie, there's a knife. The, the dad dies in a fire because he's a firefighter. And the uh, dad has this heirloom that he passes to a son that says in the back, a Pierce always sees it through. And at the, at the end, he saves, his son saves Christmas because this saying is essentially kind of his dad's legacy of a Pierce always sees it through and that the son always had everything he had he needed inside, which was confidence. Yeah. And that confidence then saves Christmas and ends with a happy ending. But the kid, the kid, the son had to believe in himself that he had everything that he needed inside to, to be successful. And right. I feel like in 2019, it's already a problem. So I can only imagine when our kids are out there in the world that the amount of external validation that people look for on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook right. and all these things that leave people empty inside that when life does throw you a hardball, like a death or maybe the death of a parent, you won't know how to keep moving forward because you, you, no one's going to tell you how to move forward because it's your own issue that you've got to feel for. And if you don't know that you have everything inside already, those hard problems are be the ones that stop you in your tracks. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I think allowing your kids to experience, um, you know, some adversity and some failure is important, uh, especially throughout their life. Right. So you're, you're trying to teach them, you're trying to a gauge how successful are you at giving them confidence mm -hmm. and the skills and tools they need to be able to overcome adversity. But on top of that, um, that those are the things, those are character building moments, you know, I think is what I've, I've heard them called before. Um, that, that I like the most, you know, you hear it called a bunch of different things, but I always like it the most when people say that's a character building moment. That's something that it really makes you who you are. Uh, when I was doing the basic training instructor, drill instructor thing, I used to tell, uh, kids that, you know, they got in trouble that I, you know, um, that I had to counsel in my, in my flight office. I used to tell them, you know, Hey, listen up. I just want you to know one thing. And all, I always left them on a positive, like I'm going to forget about this. It's, it's, it's how you react from this point forward and what you do now uh, that I will start judging you on. Right. And, and if we have to have this conversation again, then, you know, obviously we'll, we'll have to document it and we'll go forward and I'll give you a clean slate again, but just know like it doesn't, there's not like a running tab uh, mm -hmm. against you. Right. Um, I think that that message is important for your kids too. Yep. Because you're with them, you know, you're with them until they leave the nest. And it's very important that they know there's not a running tab against them. There's not this scorecard where you're saying, hey, look, that's yeah, like. That to earn your father's love that you have to do X amount of brownie points. I, right. I've always liked the dad to describe it like there is nothing you can do to make me love you less than I do right now. And that kind of gives them permission to the trust that they can always bring whatever's on their heart or whatever they're dealing with because yeah. they're not going to avoid it because of what you're going, how you're going to love them less that they know that you're going to love them more even um, right. because they did come to you. And those are, it all goes back to, I feel like there's so many kids today that are just filled to launch because they didn't have the confidence to, to take action on their own. Like they've just been waiting for someone to come up to them and say, Hey, okay, it's your turn. Go. Yeah. Really. It's, it comes from inside that you've got to be able to go forward. And there's a good Zig Ziglar quote that I was reminded of today that uh, he often says that yes, or failure is an event, not a person. And yesterday really did end last night. Today's a brand new day. And that's always kind of how yeah. you have to, to frame it. That uh, there's a good book that uh, 
you might like as your girls get older, it's called someday a bird will poop on you. And <laughs> it's pretty much that it's just like it says that no matter how good of a day you're having, no matter what kind of mood you're in, good or bad, someday a bird will just fly by and poop on your shoulder. And it's up to you to decide how to react to it. You can either react positively to it and say, yeah, whatever, brush it off and be done. Or it can ruin the rest of your day. But that's a choice that happens when a bird poops on you. And yeah. that's what this book is teaching you. And we did maybe like in first grade, I think we called the bird poop talk. So we would talk every night in bedtime of what we would, uh, what upset her, what we would call it, what kids pooped on her because they were someone that just like throw something at her in her life or that day yeah. and it would frustrate her and emotionally get her wound up. And I feel like that's one of the hardest things that as a, as a father I face with my daughter is coaching her through what she's feeling and making sure she's feeling what she needs to feel because there's so many emotions that they have and they go from the roller coaster and making sure that they are processing them, but then making sure they understand what it means. And I really like what we've just started. Um, we, we got a journal. So she's in second grade now, so she can write and do all that stuff and critical think. So we right. write down something that made her grateful, something that made her happy, something that made her sad and 1% better that she's going to work on tomorrow. And right. that's really helped her kind of reflect almost as like that things are getting better. Like there's times where she'll go back and compare and like, and she can see kind of progress. And I've already seen different things already improve. Like um, I was gone for a week for work and she was journaling when I came back. And so we, when I came back, we were talking about what she wrote down. And one of them, she realized that when mommy gets mad at her, it's often because she made a choice that made mommy mad and that she had the, she had the ability to change the situation all on her own. She came to that conclusion all on her own. Yeah. I can only think that that happened because we've been talking about it for two years now about how your choices have consequences and the reaction you have to an emotion is just that it's a reaction. It's either positive or negative and it's your choice. Yeah. I, uh, I love that. And, uh, uh, my son journals, uh, I journal, I'm a, you know, if, if you've, you know, you've been listening to vet pivot, you know, I'm a avid journaler. Uh, it's, it's very important for me, for me to teach my kids that skill too. the, the ability to, to write down your thoughts and ideas is powerful because it allows you to go back and ref, and be reflective, right? Now I can look at what I was thinking in that moment and I can build on that. Okay, well, was I right? How did that, how did that situation turn out? You know, okay, well, maybe next time I'm faced with a situation, I don't have to feel that way because I know how situations like that are going to play out and me feeling so stressed out about it or me, you know, feeling sad about it, me being, you know, happy about it and getting my hopes up, like stuff like that. Uh, you know, it just allows a, a, any person to be able to go back and look and say, okay, well, I played that one wrong and I can play it better next time. Or, Hey, I played that one right. And good for mm -hmm. me. Like that's what I'm going to do yeah, going forward. That was done well. And look, I, I wrote it down and, and I can see like, that's where my thought process was. Um, so I think that, that that's really cool that, that you have your second, uh, your second grader journaling, right? I think that's such a good skill that you can teach her. Um, my, my other thought on this is I think that having that, um, that talk about consequences with, with your kids, my, my son is always big on that. You know, I was telling him, you know, Brody, I was a terrible student and I was telling him how proud I was about his report card. And, uh, you got straight A's, uh, and he was so thrilled. And I was like, Hey, look, man, I'm really proud of you. Like, that's really good stuff. I was like, I don't think you understand. Like not every kid is sitting in their parents' car right now 
talking about straight A's. You know, some kids are having a tough time. Some kids aren't making good grades. Some kids aren't putting the time in at home um, because they're dealing with other things. So we always try to be mindful, but also understand that like actions have consequences. Like everything you do, Brody, I was not a good student all the way through high school. Not a good student that had consequences. Mm -hmm. What were your consequences, dad? Okay. Well, my consequences were, I didn't go to a great college right away. Uh, I probably could have gone to a much better one and played baseball there. I went to a smaller school and played baseball. And, uh, and even then I didn't have a good foundation of work ethic as a student. And so I didn't do well in school. I was in college because I didn't do well in school in high school. And he's like, Oh, so what happened? I left college because I didn't, I didn't maintain a good GPA and I had to go and I had to go get a job. And he's like, Oh, when did you join the air force? I said, after I had a bunch of jobs, you know, I was like, there are consequences to actions, you know? And, and, and so I just want you to understand that there are both good and bad consequences. And when you have a negative action, there is a, uh, there's a negative consequence that goes with that. And when you have a positive action, then you'll have a positive consequence that goes with that. And that's, it just is what it is, but it's, you know, teaching your kids that to think beyond right now in the moment is very, very powerful. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's one of the best tools that you can give them because from there they understand, okay, well, this is how life works. <laughs> you, know, like, yep. you know, if I have a few too many drinks at dinner and I get behind the wheel of my car and I drive and I get pulled over and I get a DUI and I lose my job, and I have to pay all these fines, you know, like those are all the consequences to that one bad decision that you made that can really impact and mess up your life. If I go out and get a credit card when I'm 18 and I max that thing out, even though I don't have a job, right? And then I can't pay that off and it gets sent to collections and my credit score, when it's just getting started, starts to drop and drop and drop. It's going to impact things later on in life in a very bad way. So you're teaching them how to handle that line of reasoning before they have to handle that line of reasoning. Yep. Have you ever uh, given your son the idea to try to find the mat in his class that isn't as good, that doesn't, that does struggle, that he could be the flashlight for his shadow? Ooh, that's a really good idea. I've never given him that idea. And I love that because somewhere in his class, there's a Matt Cochero. And uh, if your son is the kind of guy and he seems like a very heart-centered person. Uh, Another way I've always liked to say it is uh, there's there's someone in that classroom that has a storm going on and your son could be that rainbow. Yeah, yeah, I need to, I'm writing it down right now. (laughs) So big about taking notes that I I have a a Samsung note. (laughs) It's like that, it's that important to me. Uh, So I need to write this down. So my, uh, my son will find the person that is just as messed up as I was, which is good. And the biggest thing that I've realized with this podcast is the friendships are the one ways are the most common thing that veterans need on the other side of transition. And that's often what kids needs. And yeah. uh, I said to speak to a veterans or my element, my daughter's elementary class for veterans day. And the message I gave them was that there's lots of veterans out there that 
are sitting on the buddy bench in the playground waiting for a friend to come by because there's a buddy bench on their playground. And they all knew what the buddy bench was and how it worked. And I'm like, well, there's a veteran out there that needs a friend and friendships are the best way that you can help them. And there's lots of veterans that have storms and you can be that rainbow. And they all instantly kind of got that message um, in a very kid way. But friendships are the most common way that and there's probably somewhere in that classroom, there's a Ben Cloy, because I was maybe a little bit smart, but I was very shy and looking for friends. And But friends is the one thing that in the last five years has really allowed me to move forward as a dad and a husband and even right. now as a podcaster. But without that, it's it's just so lonely that you, you really can't feel like you can do anything on your own. Yeah, 100%. I... Um... I was always, and, and and we talked about this a little bit before we uh, started this this recording, but I was, I've always been extroverted, uh, extra extroverted, right? That's what I usually tell people. Um, and so, like the friend side of it, the more the merrier, you know. I, I've always been the type of person uh, to the to a to a fault, you know. It's it just it's distracting at times, and so I'm like always very mindful of telling my kids like, okay, you need to focus. I know that like, I know there are a bunch of other kids around right now. I know that what they're doing looks like it's more important than what I need you to do, but focus, you know, like just look at me, stay with me and then we'll go play. Um, Did you tend to go deep with the friendships or were you, was it more about the, like maybe you were moving from friend to friend or trying to create more, but not having the deep connection with the friend? Oh, it's definitely quantity over quality. Yeah, I have I have room in my life for like two or three really really good friends. And uh is it the way um, you want it or is that something you're working on? That's something I'm working on. I would love to have more like deep connections with people. It's very difficult because I'm a um I'm very prone to like just really opening up and being accepting of people and then you know, it's one of those things like as we as we grow older there's been more opportunities and more situations where we've been burned. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, you know, those defense mechanisms become a little more entrenched into who we are. And so I, I do find a way to kind of not, um, give friendships like my whole self, my whole, um, persona and, and be completely vulnerable and honest. Um, I do keep it somewhat closer to the surface. Don't want to. Uh, I, you know, in, in, on the inside, it's like, no, you can, you can create a deeper connection and then, you know, something just stops you. Like, I don't know. Maybe do you feel like it's ego. I think honestly, I think I'm just more interested sometimes in them and mm-hmm. like what their story is. Yeah. And, uh, I don't, it doesn't hurt my feelings if sub, someone doesn't ask me and, you know, return the favor and ask me my story, you know, mm-hmm. which I think, <laughs> I think it helps me with the podcast. Right. So it's like, yes, tell me your story. And I'm very interested and engaged. And if you don't ask me in return, because that's not typically how a podcast interview goes, right. Then it's like, um, I'm okay with that. I, it doesn't bother me. Right. So it's, it's a way for me to kind of feed my, defense mechanism if you will i get to get to know people and if they don't ask me then i don't have to go like deeper (laughs) (laughs) so this isn't necessarily your most default state answering questions and being on the other side to to go deep with a random stranger this is 
I'm com- again, I'm comfortable with it and I, and I, and I will, you know, and I have no problem telling my story. Um, I think that there are so many parts of my, uh, just my life story that are, they're mine, you know, and I don't, I don't open up too much for, for just about anyone. Um, I don't know why I, th- I think for me, I'm like very optimistic type person and I just, okay, look, uh, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like I know where I came from sucked and I know where I'm at now is better. And I know where I'm going is going to be better than where I came from, even though there's going to be some obstacles along the way. And so I just looking forward is always better. Um, I don't necessarily, want uh people to like oh man that's a that's tough i'm sorry that happened to you or wow i can't believe that you went through like that's Mm -hmm. that doesn't help me you know what i mean because then i feel like oh gosh this is tough you know from a parent standpoint i'm more vulnerable with my kids than i am with anybody i would say that's a place that it counts because your story helps them understand that you're not perfect and that your life experiences can help I think that's why military dads leave so much on the table by not waking up to our potential because we've just experienced a whole lot of life. We're less than 1% yeah. of the population that have experienced life in such an extreme way. And by us not sharing those lessons learned with our kids, we're just leaving so much on the table for who they can become with those yeah. shortcutted lessons of who we are. Yeah, 100%. And, and the other part of that too that I'll say is it's less scary to do that with your kids, especially when they're like younger. Oh, yeah. They don't, they don't judge you. They're They're not not looking. You're still their hero, you know? And so you can be real with them. And as long as you keep it at their level uh, of understanding and how the world works and find a way to explain it to them in, in words they can understand. um, You really, it, it can be very relieving therapeutic for you as a, as a veteran uh, or military dad. And it can be really building, you know, a great building block for them to gain some perspective that they wouldn't otherwise had, like you were saying. Got it. Well, I'm going to ask one more question here that maybe goes a little bit deeper, but I think you're ready for it. I think you're warmed All up. Right. So if you were to think of the Macuchera in your first marriage and the Macuchera who showed up in your second marriage, what do you think the biggest change that you had to do on yourself to make your second one successful? Because that's a theme that a lot of active duty and veterans uh, have where they have one marriage that doesn't work out and they get into one that does. What would you maybe think of a note that you would write back to that, maybe that guy in your second marriage when you first got married, or even if you thought about what you could have done better in your first one, what advice would you give out there for what someone needs to go through to improve themselves? Yeah. Uh, That's a, I mean course i think about that of course and and i think it's natural to do so right as a as a human being and when you go through that process for anyone that's you know um broken up with someone or anyone who's got out of a long-term relationship or anyone that's got divorced before uh it's not fun and you it takes a minute to rebuild yourself and and figure out who you are again because you know you you absorb some of the person that you tie yourself to um, 
but it's natural in that process of healing from that, that, um, events that you ask yourself, what could I have done? And so if I were to leave a note for Matt, right. Uh, I would say, don't be, uh, don't be so selfish, you know, find ways to be less selfish. Cause I, I, and, and that's really what it boils down to. Um, I should have, it's easy. It's very easy. And sometimes I feel like cop out to say I should never got married. You know, when really in life, sometimes you got to take risks and when it feels right, you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because in your failures, you learn more than in your success. I think we know oh, yeah. this, right? That's common understanding that we have. Um, and that goes for relationships too. So yeah, it's a failure. Yeah, it hurts. Um, I have a, a beautiful son from it. And um, his mom and I are able to talk and we've moved on in our lives. You know, it's been years. So um, I think that that's one of the things that has made this marriage better is that very much more emphasis emphasized on family and that time quality time. Um, granted, I don't get as much time with the family as I would love to have. Um, especially during the week because of work. So I go to work when the kids are sleeping, I come home, it's, you know, hour and a half, two hours before bedtime. So it's tough, but I think that that would be the biggest message would be like, Hey, you need to be, be less in your twenties and more in your family, you know, Mm -hmm. less about hanging out with the guys and more about making time for the people that are there for you or we're always going to be there for you. I didn't have this when I first started. It kind of came through breadcrumbs, but I had one episode where a guy gifted me the feed or the advice that when you come to the door, always kiss your wife first. And that signals to your kids, the priorities that she's more important. I love you and all, but I love her more. And it kind of has been a theme that I talk about that, um, the one commitment that will go to all the way next to death is the commitment to your wife. Every other commitment, yeah. your career, your kids, even your kids are going to leave you. They're going to go off and do their own thing. Yep. So come back at Christmas and Thanksgiving, but there's only one commitment that's there till the end. And that's one you've made with your wife. That's right. And if you don't align your life and your priorities to reflect that commitment as the number one, all the other things seem like you're juggling something almost like a Jenga game, trying to yeah. pull off these blocks and making sure the tower doesn't come down and figuring out which ones are the right ones to pull. Is this one starting to jiggle the whole thing? And you really need that solid foundation where your wife is a priority, even over your kids. Because right. Even through the dark times, the hard times, making sure that you have a relationship with your wife. I mean, there's lots of stories that I hear where the kids leave the house and the, the, couple, the, the married couple is a stranger to themselves because they spend all their time prioritized on the kids, either through sports right. or just letting the kids or just focusing on maybe they were living vicariously through their kids even. And if you don't make that commitment to rekindle that love every single year throughout all of life, then there'll always be something that is kind of like you're, you're gambling in Vegas to see who wins. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. I I mean, 
there's something to be said for uh, picking and choosing your battles. There's something to be said for continuing to find ways to date your spouse. There's something to be said for, um, you know, just keeping your priorities in line. Um, and the military is such a uh, drag on this because it's so easy to prioritize our military service because it's a yeah. noble sacrifice that most people say, yeah, that you're doing a good thing. Yeah. But that doesn't really make a deposit in the marriage bank. No, and it's, it, it, and even when you deploy, I, I reframe it that when you're away, you're borrowing from a credit card from your family. And when you get back, the, the interest is due and the payments are due. And you yeah. need to make sure it's repaid back in full as much as you can, hopefully before you get deployed again. But that is, it's all a credit card when you borrow that time and you need to make sure that, cause like you mentioned time and priorities and, um, the, even with kids, like the biggest first step for any dad that's struggling to come home is kids spell love T I M E that all they want is your time. And that's yeah. really, even in, in, yeah. in a marriage time is one of the biggest things that can heal, especially if you've been deployed or away from each other, time can do a lot of healing. Yeah. I, I mean, for, for me, I think that, um, you know, being a leader of your family is important, right? And uh, you cannot lead your family. You cannot lead people if you cannot lead yourself. Um, it means being able to prioritize your time and effectively manage your schedule. It means taking care of yourself. So like from a mental health standpoint, I think that that was something that uh, damaged my my first marriage as well. Um, and then just being forgiving, you know, and, and working at it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think in my twenties, I was too immature to like work at the problems. And so they just got yep. bigger until they couldn't be overcome. Um, you know, a lesson that you just reminded me of, I'm surprised you didn't remember it earlier. Uh, the very first time I went to Prague checks actually taught me an important lesson that I did not learn or implement but it'll be one that my kids I will implement. So I'm curious to see if you have the same perspective, but um, I it was very quickly. I learned that in the Czech Republic that they don't get married till they're 30 and that almost nobody has kids unless by accident before 30, like that's kind of a milestone, like, okay, I'm ready to have kids, but their kind of way of life is like, they spend all their twenties finding the person that they want to love for the rest of their life, living life with that person in a, just a kind of a frillful way of, taking crazy vacations, doing crazy things, living adventure and learning to build a solid foundation with that person. And only when they reach 30, do they settle down and move into that next stage because they have a great solid foundation to build from. And in America, it's the exact opposite is if you're 25, not having kids, you're behind. And that's why we have midlife crises because you never got a chance to live. And sometimes that's why maybe one person wants to divorce because maybe they settled down too quickly and they had kids and they never got a chance to live. But that 20s is so important to build that solid foundation with the person you love and not just rush into it, but just truly fall in love with the bliss of love for almost 10 years because that foundation could, I mean, that you coming home with your kids then is a completely different mindset than if you're trying to battle two worlds of partying in the weekends and being a mom at the same time. Yeah, that's very European. That's like a very European mindset about it versus the American thing. So maybe not just Czech, but... But well, it's the only country I've been to, so I'm biased right. a little bit. Oh, yeah, it's super European. But, I mean, it, you think about it, um, you know, I don't know if, if in when you go to the Czech Republic, if they ever got you into soccer. But, uh, yeah, I lived there for three years, so I got really big into soccer. So, um, 
you know, Barcelona back in the day, uh, back, I say back in the day, 10 years ago, unbeatable, unstoppable. And, and same with uh, Spain as a national team. And the reason why is because those kids all played together and grew up in the system, the same system all the way through. And so when they got to the, the professional stage or the, lar- the, you know, the, the highest stage on earth when it came to the sport, uh, they had been doing that together for 10, 15 years, you know? Um, so naturally, they knew where each other were going to be. They knew how to communicate. It was almost like they were communicating without even saying anything. So they had nonverbal communication cues that they were picking up on. And they just had a feel for each other and how to navigate the mm-hmm. the field, right? And so it just made them unbeatable. And they won. They won, you know, tons, tons of games. Uh, very difficult to uh, step on the field against and expect to get a result. Um, that's what you're talking about, right? The European way of doing it. Having that 10 years of being with this person, getting to know this person. Um, you know, one of my best friends in this world is Belgian uh, and we met each other in high school. And so when the military stationed me there, it was like, dude, we get to hang out like all the time for three years. Like this is amazing. So it was like, it was a really big win for us. And he dated the same girl from when we were, 21 yep 21 because we're the same age so from 21 and they didn't get married until he was uh 29 28 or 29 and then they just started having kids yeah uh, like years ago and so i mean i don't know if you absolutely have to be a decade but there's definitely something to be said for slowing down and that life isn't a race and if you don't slow down to smell the roses or to just learn who we really are. Even like how many people rush through and get married and get yeah. a car payment and a house. And then they have a job they don't like, and they have debt. And like the American dream is almost a prison because you rush through the system to a point where you can't stand the view from where you're standing, but you don't see a way out. You just don't know how you got there. You feel like you time traveled, right? You woke up yeah. and you don't realize your own choices are the reason why you got there. And you're probably not ready to admit that you're, Choices are the reason why you got there to the, to be able to move out of it, but the consequences of your choices, the consequences actually. of your choices <laughs> of keeping up with the Joneses of yep. not living your life in your own way versus what other people want you to live. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, not giving, not giving things time to, to go from beginning to end in the process. Right. Yeah. How do you, I mean, even just living in Belgium for three years, that widened your view of yeah. the American dream for what you see as possible for your own life. And I feel right. like that's what kids really, that's what as dads and my, my obligation, my kids is to make sure they have that wide view because when they go out into the world, they want to kind of have an idea already who they are and they're not going to get it from the system. The system isn't going to yeah. teach them what they want to be for the rest of their life. But you got to add those experiences and show them there's just not one path to have life. There's just not a trade job or a factory job. You, life is can be really whatever you created on your terms. And, you have to be able to see other things to do that. And there's crazy statistics that 20% of Americans have a passport and only 10% use it. And wow. if you think about like how insular that view of the world is that there's only 10% of the people that actually know a different way of living other than what they see on TV, which isn't even anything close to reality. Like, and you get take your kids on an international trip to Europe. Like you have no idea the amount of like perception that, uh, yeah. Yeah, my uh, so Brody has been to 
Italy, obviously he was born in Europe, so he's traveled all over Europe. Uh, this summer, his mom has to do trips to Japan for work. Uh, so this summer he went to Japan for a month. Yeah. Like those experiences, you never know what those are going to do for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and at he's eight, I mean, that's like a perspective that like yeah. you can't buy anywhere. You can't buy that on target cyber Monday. Yeah. He just came back talking about how 7-Eleven in Japan is so much better than 7-Eleven here. <laughs> I said, shut up. <laughs> I don't know anybody that says a 7-Eleven is better anywhere. Yeah, I know. That's That was like his takeaway from Japan. I was like, really? Like, you have any other takeaways? I'm sure there's probably other takeaways. He just doesn't yeah. know what to use. Or he hasn't processed the thought of how it fits in yet. He has no idea how to bring it up. It was a bunch of seeds planted, but they all still waiting to be watered. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool. It's still something he gets to tell his friends. A little bragging thing. I was born in Belgium and... You know, I went to Japan for a month. Like I've up, I've read a couple articles of, that said that military kids are, are are a very unique type of person because they've re, they've grew up with diversity to the point where they don't even really judge diversity as bad or good. They just see it as is, and yeah. they've learned how. To, and even military, we've learned how to get along with people that we don't like for a lot of different years. Yep. and that's a skill that we're actually in twenty nineteen in our society that a lot of people need. So if we can really create strong adults to go in the world, these kids will change the world if they believe they can. Yeah. Yeah. They need the confidence for sure. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I like being a dad is uh, it's the greatest job in the world. Uh, and it's the greatest I, title that you can get called. It's like when you get yeah. called dad, like every time I hear daddy, I just like pause and be like, there's just nothing better than that title that when they call you daddy, cause it's something special that, there's that moment I walk through the door every single day when I come. Oh, and they just swarm you. And like, they tackle you. Yeah, you know, and they want nothing. They want nothing more than to just have you around and just anything you do with them, just being silly. Like, oh man, like to all the dads out there, just be silly with your kids. Like, don't be serious. Yeah. Enter just, their imagination. Yeah, yeah. And no matter how bad world. of a day you had their love for you is still just as equally as charged. Like nothing that happened to you that day is, is going to take anything less of right. what they're going to greet you with. Take a deep breath before you go through the door. The meeting went bad. Your boss is breathing down your throat. Like whatever. Just take a deep breath before you go through the door and just be silly and enter yeah, your kids. You will always home. be enough in the eyes of your kids. And you'll, you'll feel better when you're done. You will yeah. feel better when you're done. They have this, this ability to just wipe away all the crap, you know, and just make you smile. They'll do something that just puts a big smile on your face. Like, I don't know. I can name a thousand things my kids do. And I'm like, Oh my God, you guys are the best. Exactly. And they're just getting yeah. started. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much fun. Well, Matt, if I got one last question for you, if you could okay. wrap up all your wisdom, what advice would you want to leave for a military veteran dad out there listening to this episode? Oh man, I feel like and I maybe just, you haven't given yet. Yeah, yeah. I've one piece of advice for the military veteran dad listening to this episode would be. Hmm, that's a good question, Ben. I I'll would give you, I'll make, let's make it specific. What advice would you give to Matt Cuchera, that's the Air Force drill instructor that has a high demand job that has to come home and be dad? I would say uh, your kids don't get it. 
You know, like that's, that would be my big thing. Like they don't get it and that's okay. They're not supposed to. Um, but I would say on the, on the other side of that coin is uh, you should never stop hustling and, and working hard to be the best dad and to give your kids the best life, right? Uh, whatever that looks like for your family. Um, I work long hours in my full-time job. I come home, I hang out with my kids, have a great time. I enter their world. We're silly. We do dance parties. Uh, you know, we do all kinds of crazy stuff. And then, uh, you know, I, I sing to them when they go to bed and then it's back to work, you know, I do podcast stuff. I work on my, uh, my, my schoolwork. I, you know, it's just nonstop, nonstop, always doing something, trying to better myself so that my kids have a positive example of, of hard work, of selflessness, of what it takes to have work ethic and make it in this world. You know, all those things are important. So yes, you need to understand they don't get it, but through your actions, eventually they will. And that's a funny story about they do get it in certain cases. I've come home and it was during the summer, I think, that my daughter would be sitting in my office right in my chair with these headphones on, sitting next to this microphone telling me, daddy, go away. I'm in a meeting. <laughs> because that's what, if, from her side, that's what I'm always telling her. I'm like, in a meeting, you gotta be quiet. And so yeah. she's in here mimicking me like, daddy, I'm in a meeting, go away. Yeah. Yeah, that's they do in some instances get it. Like, if you have it on your face, like my three year old will call it, Daddy, why are you grumpy? (laughs) I'm "I'm not grumpy. I'm not grumpy. I'm sorry. I'm not grumpy. That's like her big, her big thing. And and now the two year old, you know, it's like the worst thing you could ever do to this two year old is to call her grumpy. Like when she's in a mood, you're being grumpy, full blown, like fit, you know, just I'm not grumpy. And you're like, all right, all right. <clears throat> Damn you for learning reflecting what, back my words. Yeah, learning how to push your buttons here, you know? It's like... <laughs> so, well, Matt, I really appreciate this this conversation. Yeah. Where's the best place for people to get a hold of you if they want to find out more about the Vet Pivot, Vet Pivot Podcast? Yeah, you want to know about the Vet Pivot Podcast, uh, and thank you for asking. You can go to uh, www.vetpivot.com. And catch everything that's going on there. Uh, the podcast is also every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern time. It launches uh, the next iteration. So we're on uh, episode 12 drops tomorrow with Scott R. Tucker. Um, very excited to uh, to have that uh, go into our 12th episode, a full quarter of episodes. And those are all available on all the different platforms, you know, uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, everything, you know, you name it. Ask Alexa, she'll play it for you, whatever you want. (laughs) Well, it's a very good podcast and I recommend anybody out there in the transition listening to it. It's a bunch of two guys. The other guy, Adam Bratz, who's been on the podcast way back in like episode like 19 or something. Uh, So now both of you guys have been on the podcast. and. Two guys telling jokes and making using military banter to, to, to lighten heart in the situation, but also giving practical advice. So I enjoy it a lot. Thank you. I appreciate that, Ben. We got to have you on the show. We got to bring you on. Adam uh, says you guys are backed up too much. We are, you know, I, we, can move, <laughs> we can move things around. You just, well, he says like, you can't move things around. Like you're backed up to like Valentine's Day or something. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. I don't you know, know who you got to who you got to bribe over there to move yeah, up. Yeah, but they haven't figured think, out the right price. I know one of the uh, I know one of the the owners. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I can get you in the show. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you coming on tonight, and I know this conversation was vulnerable and real, and I know we brought a few dads home. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. That's a wrap, and thank you for listening to today's show, and I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it, and you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.